Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. Today we are on episode 6 of season 3 and last week I took you around Belgium where I spent a year studying and this week I'm going to take you to somewhere more eastern um, to the Baltic states. So I did a journey uh, from Latvia up to Estonia and then also took a trip up to Helsinki from Estonia. So I'll tell you a little bit about my little adventures over there. Um, and yeah, you might notice my voice is a bit clearer this week. Last week I was just pre-cold, so um, lots of sneezing, lots of... um yeah cold kind of symptoms and um coughing and my yeah it's kind of cleared up a lot but my body is still recovering um and I suppose it's just a little note to say like as one of my friends said you know honor your body you know um because we're at a prime time for I suppose flus and colds and bugs you know winter season and like if we try and push it um, too quickly, which I'm definitely a culprit of doing in the past, um, the body is just going to be like, no, you know, and it'll take longer. So, yeah, I'm really trying to just lean in and, and listen to my body and what it needs. Um, and a lot of people, uh, if you're here in Ireland, I'm not sure about the rest of the world, but a lot of people I'm talking to are actually sick. Um so there must be a lot of colds and bugs going around. And um, I actually, um, the other night, I did um, a tantra yoga. So it's very, very, very gentle. And it was by Jenny Keane. Um, she's an amazing uh, yoga teacher. And I just did it on YouTube, a flow, um, but it was very gentle and it was all about the breath and it was especially for winter. So um, it was really good because it talks through how, you know, in the winter we get all these kind of sicknesses and it's because a lot of the time we're cold and, you know, we're quite contracted and we're not breathing properly. So... Um, it's so important that we use the breath for, you know, moving energy around the body that's stagnant or, you know, withheld because there's no point being under your duvet, like stone cold and not moving. Like it's so important to still get out and exercise, move, walk, yoga, breath, um, especially in the winter. Um, and it definitely is a time for hibernation. It definitely is a time to go inwards, to be slower but you still need movement. So um, I did that the other day and it was very gentle and it was just all about the breath and breathing into the right-hand side of the body, the left-hand side, and just getting all the energy moving a bit. And I was roasted after it. Like, I, like it was really slow yoga, but I was, I because of the breath and the movement through the body and really every single breath like was was counted that like my body I was like I think I'm overeating um so yeah that's just something I wanted to share um because it might be helpful for you and we all need to look after our well-being so I definitely think it's helpful <laughs> um 
so yeah, so let me take you around the Baltic states today and um, I might tell you a bit about uh, a bee book I'm reading as well and some, some bits about the bees. Uh, winter is a great time for education as well. So in the summer, obviously, I was doing all the practical work with the bees. So now is a good time for me to do all the kind of reading and, and educating books and stuff. Um, and yes, let's do that. And just a thank you as always to my patrons who support the podcast. Um, your contribution is so valued and um, you're, you know, helping me on this uh, journey and helping me to survive as well. So thank you so much. And um, also thanks to Anna. She sent me over a, a screenshot of her top podcast of 2021 and it was the catch case, but it was just so funny because it said how many like minutes she'd listened to and how many episodes. And I was like, whoa, I was like, have I talked for that many minutes? <laughs> I nearly shocked myself. Um, but yeah, so thank you for that. And thanks to the patrons. And if you can support and would like this podcast to continue into 2022, I would love your support. And it's just a way of giving back to my work. Um, so thank you so much and let's get going on the adventure. So the first country I landed into was uh, Latvia into Riga and um, it's one of the Baltic states along with Lithuania. I didn't go to Lithuania but um, started off in Latvia and um, Riga was a really beautiful city. Um, you have the old town um, it's actually a UNESCO heritage site, so it has very unique buildings and you know, like the architecture there is quite renowned. Um, so you have like wooden buildings, you have modern buildings, you have Gothic style and um, yeah, it's, it's really, really pretty. Um, and again, you have lovely foods. Um, there's a like a big open air market, which I went to. And you can get all like fresh strawberries and fresh fruits. And I even got a pair of, I'm sure I got a pair of trousers there as well. Um, but like some people like would be a bit sketch, like some people think it's a bit sketchy to go there, but like it was fine. Um, I didn't speak Latvian, <laughs> but I got by. Um, but yeah. And I actually went to a place outside the city there. It was like an ethnographic um, open air museum. And it was about 30 minutes from the city. Um, I always love to venture out from the main places, but it was really, really interesting. And um, at the time, like I had no idea where we were going. I was like, where is this place? Are we even safe? You know, when you go to a new country, no idea. Um, but it, it's, it's actually the oldest and largest open air museum in Europe. And it's amazing. And it's right next to a lake called Lake Jugla. Um, and as well, I got to do some yoga there by the lake because it was so serene. So it was like all of these, like, it was like going into this old century kind of buildings and houses. They were all like farmhouses and there was like an old kind of style church and dwellings of like craftsmen and fishermen and farmers. And they had like this kind of a windmill there, but it was really like, um... I don't know how to explain it. You know, you got where you get lost in time. Like it was like entering through these gates and going back in time. 
but it was so cool and the houses were so well well preserved and maintained and you could look at all the tools from like a hundred years ago and um, you could go into the houses and they had even like some wax figures um, yeah it was really really interesting and I kind of love that where you can go into these like straw kind of like houses and, and really feel what it was like in, in the bygone days you know I kind of love that like I much prefer that than going into like a super 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 modern house which is just you know that's kind of cool but I'm, I'm just really I just love seeing how they lived before and how simple it was and easier I think you know um so yeah that was one place I visited which was really cool um another um another thing to note about Latvia actually is that um it is actually half of the country is covered in forest so it's actually so beautiful and like nature lovers often trek there because it's just so beautiful but like see I suppose most people wouldn't hear about it because people go to Riga and like you might have a lot of stag parties there which is you know what I did see in the city as well um but like outside of there it's just amazing and I suppose when I took the bus then up to Estonia um we got to venture all of the wild lands that are there you know and see all of it and it was so beautiful um so yeah that was amazing and something really interesting um did you know the first christmas tree was ever put up in uh in um in latvia so it's actually was where the birth of the decorated christmas tree came from it happened like in i don't know was it like the 15th century or 16th they were telling us about it in the walking tour and how um yeah, they decorated um, the first tree there. So that's where it all started. Um, so when you're doing your tree for Christmas now, you think about it and you'll remember Latvia. Um, another funny thing from there was the black balsam. Um, it's basically like this liquor. It's alcohol, but it's kind of, it's like pure vodka. And it's sold in every bar and like everybody tries it. And they basically call it medicine. Um I'm not sure about it being medicine. I'd prefer a jar of honey. But, you know, everybody has their own uh, ways about it. But, yeah, so definitely Riga is beautiful. Uh, UNESCO heritage site. Amazing buildings. Art Nouveau. All of it. And um, really worth doing, like, the walking tour. Or even going at Christmas time to see, like, you know, Christmas stuff going on and markets um oh and actually something really famous as well as the spas there so they have a traditional style spa and just yeah they definitely know how to relax but definitely book in for a spa and um the nightlife as well is mad it's really there's really big nightlife there so loads of stags go there hens and um yeah it's definitely worth a visit so after spending a few days in riga we took a bus um, up to Tallinn in Estonia and the journey was a few hours through the countryside of Latvia and Estonia. Um, and I had heard great things about Tallinn because I had a friend from there. Um, she was an amazing girl and she had taught me such beautiful things about her country that I was just like, yes, I want to go there. Um and it was so funny because the first time we met, I met her in Airbnb 
and she just came up to me and she was like you look like you're from my country and I was like what and like we just we immediately hit it off you know and got on so well but um lovely girl and she was actually telling me about the different sites to visit there and how important like traditions were there and how how the ruling from Russia when they came in you know like just just big things like that that happened in history um so actually again uh Tallinn is a UNESCO world heritage site their old town and again it's just gorgeous like you have a main square you have a cathedral you've delicious restaurants all around really good food again you have those ethnographic museums where you can step back in time and um, they have a lot of that going on there and you can kind of look at um, the old kind of clay pottery they made or used and different things like that Um, there's also this massive cathedral Um, it was actually inspired kind of by Russia so it it's an amazing uh, cathedral like I walked up to it and actually walked into it and there was like a mass going on which was quite interesting I had to experience that but like apparently the um, Estonians didn't really want the cathedral there because it was reminding them of Russia um, yeah and it's quite like it's it's over 100 years old it's really old and it's right across from the castle so there's a big castle there as well and um it's really like orthodox style um what else they have um this uh they have this really nice chocolate shop as well and um they do specialize in uh, marzipan um they were saying that like the marzipan uh, was coming from Germany or something, but Estonia I believe it came from there. I I don't really know to be honest. A bit of conflict about that, but um yeah, definitely just just try the chocolates. Um, they have a few chocolate shops there as well, and Kalev was one of the famous ones. And um yeah, go in and get some marzipan and yeah, try it. Um yeah, and then I suppose around the town you can walk around and you can walk up to this kind of walled um fortress and um there's like a big defensive tower and yeah there's just really nice views up there and you can sit on the walls and have a picnic or chill out or eat your marzipan or whatever you want but um yeah it's just a really pretty town you know with cobblestones and loads of cute little museums and cafes and yeah definitely worth a visit as well so while I was in um, Estonia, um, I just stayed in an Airbnb and it was really beautiful. Like the Airbnbs there are amazing. Um, but uh, I saw like by the harbour, so you, the harbour is really close to the town. Um, I saw there was like boats going up to Helsinki and like they were really short. They were only a couple of hours. And I was just like, oh, my God, let's go to Finland. <laughs> Um, and you know you're so close by so I was like let's just do it um, and yeah I'm all for it and so booked a ticket to go up on the boat and yeah I was ready to go the next day they needed like to see our passports there was a bit of like checking and stuff like that but it was no problem really um, 
So yeah, so got the boat then from the port and went all, it was super comfortable as well, like a super cozy and really nice boat and went all the way up to Helsinki on a day and um, I'll never forget arriving in um, to the harbour in Helsinki and being like, whoa, such a different feel, so Scandinavian and you could just see, it was just really sophisticated, you know, Um, like the fashion was amazing, people were like, you know, you could see people were like going to work, doing their jobs and everything felt a bit different. Um, and you could definitely feel the wealth in Helsinki. Like even when I went into some stores to look at some of the clothes and I was like, oh God, I was like, I can't afford any of this. But um, yeah, I remember on arrival as well, there was all these stalls with different foods and they had um, like reindeer <laughs> I remember being shocked. I was like, oh my God, reindeer? I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I was like, I'm definitely not having that. And um, it's it's a traditional thing that they have there, like reindeer, they eat it. And as well, they had loads of um, salted licorice, which is another thing. And quite tasty. Um, and yeah, just ventured around Helsinki then. And... Uh, some of their churches there as well, some of their shops. And then they have this big kind of promenade where you can sit on the side on benches and just watch the world go by. But one of the really interesting places I visited there was um, a sea fortress called Sua Menlina. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. So Sua Menlina is actually another UNESCO site. So loads of UNESCO sites in this journey in particular. And um, so basically you take a boat from the harbour in um, Helsinki and the the actual fortress is a few kilometres from the, um, the city. And when you arrive, you kind of walk up and there's these big, huge walls again and loads of kind of outbuildings and cannon kind of, you know, those cannon shooters and... Um, yeah, it was built back in the day, um, a few centuries back, to kind of uh, defend against the Russian expansion. So again, the Russians were trying to get into a lot of places and that was their fortress where they had like big, big, big walls, cannons, guns, all of that sort of stuff. So it was really interesting actually to... Um, just wander around that fortress and get lost in there. Um, again, loads of history in there. And um, yeah, like, you know, national flags and kind of artifacts. Um, and again, surrounded by water. So it's just really pretty, like just to sit up on the fortress on the walls and observe the boats go by or the world go by. Um, so yeah, so definitely Suam and Lena, if I'm saying it right, definitely worth a visit. Oh, and if you are taking a journey out to that fortress or to Helsinki in general on boat, uh, make sure you have lots of clothes because those waters are cold. Um, and as well, that, that fortress is so beautiful, like it's split across eight islands. So it's pretty, it's pretty massive. Like it's amazing. But um, yeah, and bring plenty of money. <laughs> 
because Helsinki is a lot more expensive than um, Tallinn or Riga in general. You know, it's 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 more. Yeah, I suppose the GDP is a bit higher. So yeah, so those were the Baltic states. Um, I think I really liked um, Tallinn, just for the the I suppose the beauty of the city itself. It was so pretty, um, and the people there as well were lovely. And you can actually find that Scandinavian style infused in some of the buildings as well, which is really nice. But um. But um, yeah, definitely add them to your list, the eastern side of Europe. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the bees now. So this week again, I was um, uh, getting some of the hives ready for winter. Well, it's winter now, but the freezing temperatures, you know, so I just popped a bit of wood um, into the entrance of the hive, um, so that the entrances are like minimized, um, cause they won't, there won't be really a lot of movement going on over winter, even though like on the hot days now, like today, um, you know, they're still coming out and doing their jobs. Um, and I learned as well about my hive again with the drones, cause I'm like so, curious about what's going on in there. You know, it's just my curiosity. I'm like, why is there drones in there? And um, as one beekeeper told me, like, you know, which was, I don't know, was it a funny thing or what did it make me sad? But he was like, where there's livestock, there's dead stock, Um, which kind of I was like, oh, no. So like, I'll have to wait until spring to know what happened in that hive. But basically, it could be that the queen, so the virgin queen, she never mated. And so she could be just laying drones males she, she could just be but then I have females in there as well so like I'm like this forward and back like I wonder what it is like and then I'm asking another beekeeper and they're like look you're never going to know until next year <laughs> but I'm like yeah but I wonder because I can't inspect it because it's too cold you know but um you know I may lose them and that's the that's the risk you take with beekeeping I may lose the hive but I'll be positive I don't know what's going on but there shouldn't be males in there and there's a lot of them um um the other thing could be that the queen died and there's a a laying worker so a worker bee in there and yeah so I don't know what's going on guys but I'm a bit like what's going on with my hive you know they're so precious because like remember what Einstein said he said like if the bees go we've about four years left on the planet like they are so important and we're so um linked we're so interconnected like if we lose bees like pollinators like we are screwed so I suppose for me every every beehive every bee is so 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 important um and yeah and like far more has far more like value and like even medicine and like the weight of the planet like the health of the planet like the the beehive and the colony and the queen and pollinators like they're holding that all of that like together you know like along with every other a lot of other species but bees do so much work like one in three mouthfuls are from a bee like that's insane absolutely insane think of coffee blueberries um almonds tomatoes it's just it's incredible so um yeah, so I've been reading actually a book. So I wanted to share with you some of the insights from this book because I think it's really cool and I think we should all know about it. Um, so basically the Latin word for the bee, the honeybee, is apis mellifera. 
So Apis actually means healer. And uh, mellifera, so mel, uh, is honey. As we know, mel in all the Latin languages, like miel, mel. Um, and fair, like mellifera, um, fair means to carry. So it's basically like honey-bearing uh, healer almost, which is so beautiful. Like what, what beautiful name the bee got, you know, um, honey-bearing healer. Um, and even the ancient Greeks, like the Egyptians, all of them, they were all mad about the honeybee because they knew how important they were for society and humanity as a whole. Um, but they, like, you know, when the bees would die, like when the bees were burned, the ash, um, that was used as well as a sort of like healing, like ceremony, ritual, like the ashes of the bees that were burned. Um, it was like something... Yeah, it was used as something sacred, you know, it was used for healing again, like medicine. It was, yeah, they really believed in all of the powers of the honeybee. Um, and in Egypt, um, honeybees actually were only really kept by like, like high up people in the hierarchy. So like the ruling classes. So um, they were like, yeah, they were quite... Um, I suppose they were segregated in society, like the poor or less well-off wouldn't have had them, you know. And then they would have looked at things like the honeycomb, like the geometry of the comb itself, like being a symbol again of the universe and how the universe is structured. Um, because, you know, the bees themselves, like they build those hexagonal um, shapes and there's a reason for that. Like it's all mathematics and they do that themselves out of natural you know, they just do it out of their natural hive mind, you know. They all work together like that super organism. And they looked at the bee life as well, you know, all of them working together. Um, and it's like everything in nature, you know. Um, the earth as well, she is feminine. She is creating, you know, it's like sustaining life. Everything then interlinked. But like that the bee life again was a parallel to human life. Like this society working together, the worker bee you know, the guard be, the nurse be, everybody caring for each other. And none of this, like, isolation. Like, like the way humans live now, this isolation, this these isolated lives, like, it's, it's so wrong, like, for us. We're not meant to live like that. Like, it's great to have independence and be alone and survive on your own and get to know yourself. But we need community. And now more than ever, because of all this COVID stuff, it's just, like, why are we doing the opposite of what we are designed to be? We keep we keep going the opposite way, and it's wrong. Like it's not good for us, and and the mental health epidemic just goes up and up, and the medication goes up and up, and it's like, it's like a world, it's like a loop, you know, and it's like we need to get out of it because that's not good for us. Um, so that's why nature in general is great uh, mirror for us. We need to look at nature and learn from her. Everything co-creates. Everything is balanced off each other. You know, uh, the lung, you've, you've the green and the blue lungs of the planet. Like you've the trees and then you've the ocean. So you're breathing in constantly the tree in the ocean, the tree in the ocean. Our lungs, they're our lungs. And without them, we couldn't, we couldn't breathe, you know. And without the bee... We probably won't be able to eat, you know. So everything is interlinked and it's all one. 
constantly breathing in, breathing out, expansion, contraction. Um, so yeah. And then I suppose another thing, um, and, and again, the beehive, it's like, it's like nature again. Nature is abundant. Anywhere in nature, there's space. Nature will fill it. It's the exact same with the hive. If there's space in the hive, any little bit of space, the bee will fill it. It'll put like propolis there or it will start building comb there. Any little bit of space. And it's the exact same in nature. Like you look when a field is ploughed, nature will come immediately. Like I suppose if there's loads of pesticides, maybe not as strong, but like it will come immediately and fill every single space it can. Like nothing goes bare, you know, any space is used and used up and everything is abundant. Um, so that's just something to note as well. Um, like our, our soils shouldn't be bare. Like we shouldn't be looking out of fields that have nothing on them. Like you can, like that's not the way it's supposed to look. Like soil should be covered. But anyway, that's another story about ploughing. <laughs> um, and... Um, obviously we've done that on the farm as well so like you know I know the story with it but it's not good um the other thing then I wanted to talk a bit about it is the waggle dance um so the waggle dance if you're new to bees um so the bees do this amazing dance uh, it's just it's so beautiful it's like a vibrational sequence so they shake from left to right and when you see it it's so cute you're just like oh my god oh my god oh my god it's amazing and in the summertime you see it all the time because there's so much forage there's so much nectar there's so many plants flowering like they just they're so happy you know to be collecting 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 um for the whole hive you know not for one single uh being in the organism but for the whole hive um and remember, a honeybee only lives five weeks. So it's quite um, transformative, the hive, constantly transforming, transforming, transforming. It's like the cells in our body, they're constantly changing, changing. And um, yeah, actually, that makes me think of something now. Like, imagine your body, like the body you have now is not the same as it was 10 years ago. Like every single cell has regenerated. Every single like follicle has regenerated. Even like they say your heart like every cell that's regenerating and dying off and coming again, like uh, most cells in the body, you know, they die off very quickly, a few weeks, days, but then like other like organs and stuff, some of them take like a few years to fully regenerate. But imagine you're not the same. You're not the same, you know, which is, which is so amazing. Like it blows my mind to think of that. But, um, but yeah, that's the thing about the waggle dance. So they move side to side um, and they kind of show the direction um, where it is in relation to the sun. And then after, like, how long they do the waggle dance. So if it's a very long one, it means that the distance is further. So the the nectar or the, the source of pollen or whatever it is, it means it's further away. And remember, again, the bees, they collect four things. Water, propolis, which they use to kind of glue up the hive. Uh, also, it's medicine as well and um that comes out of the tree the tree bark um it's like the tree blood and then they collect honey of course well nectar sorry they collect nectar which then is like turns into honey um and um and pollen of course their protein um so yeah and they have the pollen then on their back legs and then they keep the honey in their honey stomach um so yeah and what else was I reading? I'm trying to think. It's just so interesting. I love sharing it. Um, mm, there was another thing now. 
Oh, there was another thing as well. You know the way like the hive is so medicinal and, and what the bees produce is so medicinal um, and it can cure us. Um, and especially, you know, when I've had this flu now, I was drinking like hot, hot water with lemon and honey, like from here, honey from here, from my, like the farm here, because that's what you need. Like you need medicine from your area, do you know? Because like we we get we get mixed up and we think oh getting something from a foreign place but remember your body is designed from the area you're from um or you know i suppose if you've lived in an area long enough your body then would adapt in a new area do you know but like always getting something local is so important because if you're living local like imagine you're getting you're ingesting in exactly what your body needs because it's from the area <laughs> And it's providing you what you need in the area. So like if people are suffering with hay fever or anything like that, it's so good to actually eat the honey from the area because the honey will have pollen extracts. Um, and basically what it does, it actually kind of inoculates the immune system. So your immune system gets ready for it almost, you know, it, it, it recognizes it. It, it, it works with it, you know, so that's why it's so important. And um, there's actually another saying as well about um, beekeepers that they don't get arteritis um, because apparently the the chemicals in the sting, um, acetylcholine, um, it basically, again, it's, it's already in the immune system, you know, and it works in the immune system in a certain way. So like I've had a few bee stings <laughs> and at the time you're just like, oh my God, why again? But in essence, like I feel like they're beneficial. Like you do get the, the, the push of the adrenaline at the time and you start, you get a little panicky. Definitely my first time doing a hive inspection, I was freaking out. I got a good few stings because I didn't have the right clothes on. But Sherlock, we live and learn. Um, but yeah, so just something, um, just something to note about the hive, you know, that if you do get a sting, it's not the end of the world. Well, I mean, if you have a reaction, you know, definitely get that checked, but um, most people don't. Um... And yeah, just something as well I was reading about their receptors. So they have 160 receptors for smell. And they can see colour and they can see ultraviolet, which is amazing. Um, and they have 10 receptors for taste. Because so I was reading as well about bats, you know, bats doing pollination and they see the ultraviolet as well. So I guess it's like, the you know, between the flowers, like when we look at flowers, we can't see the colours they're seeing. Like the colours they see are so much more different and... You know, the yeah, they all, even the flowers when the pollen is extracted, they look different. It's just amazing, like to witness all of this. Um, so yeah, that's just a bit about the bees, guys. I hope you enjoyed. I just wanted to share it because I I love bees and I'm learning more and more and I'm reading more and more, and they're so important for the planet and our ecosystem. So if there's anything you do this week, uh, when you eat your food, say thank you, not just for the seeds, the farmer, the soil, the water, but also to the bee, the bee that may have helped that plant grow or pollinate or reproduce, you know, because you might not have it otherwise. Um, yeah, and it's important because then like, you know, the birds get the seeds, the seeds, the berries, you know, and the whole thing is interlinked. So, so important for us to re-note that all the time and remember that and recall it that we are being supported by far more than we know you know far more in the system than we know and it's so important to show gratitude to nature all the time all the time giving back to nature because otherwise life wouldn't be sustained on this planet um and yeah 
Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I recommend you to check out the Baltic states. Um, have a look at some pictures of the UNESCO cities such as Riga, Tallinn and um, check out that Suomenlina in Helsinki. Very cool as well. Um, I won't recommend Eat the Reindeer because I didn't. I just wasn't into it. It was like when I went to Australia as well. They were giving me kangaroo and I had a bite and I was like, oh my God, I can't eat this at all. I don't know what it is. It's just that I can't, just can't do it. But anyway, guys, um, I'm wishing you all a, a wonderful day. A big thank you again to my patrons who are supporting the podcast. We're on our 12th month. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, just for supporting me the whole year. If you can support, I'd love for you to join as a patron and help me uh, with this work and to support it. Um, because doing something for free is great and I want it to be accessible to everybody. But to get a monetary contribution really puts value on my work. Um, and that would be so beneficial. And I actually wanted to say as well, um, a thank you to Susan Hurley in the Ceramics Gallery in Middleton, who's now stocking my book and photography. Um, I was in with her during the week and um, she's the most amazing shop, beautiful gifts, artisan-like products, um, you know, um, just gorgeous stuff, pottery, clay textures, just all seascapes, cups, everything. Um, and yeah, so she has my book and my um, my photography, so some icebergs and penguins and stuff. So really happy with that to be expanding out into other stores. And again, if you're not local and you'd like a book, I can post it to you and I would love to do that. And I can always add a personalised message. I got an email this week off a lady who asked me to do a personalised message for her niece, a young girl who's a big adventurer and... Um, yeah, it's just so nice for me to share the life that I've lived and the adventures that I've led and to embrace the fears and all of that. And I'm really happy to inspire the young girls out there and it gives me great joy. So if you're interested in a book, pop over to my website or pop me a message and I can help you with that. Um, and it would be a wonderful Christmas gift for any little adventurers. Um, so yeah, so guys have a wonderful day and have an even better weekend and I'll talk to you all very soon. Ciao.